You're listening to the 1208 Podcast from 1208 Greenwood Free Methodist Church in downtown Jackson, Michigan. Today I want to talk about skin. Skin. She's a weird word when you just keep saying it. And you're going to hear me say it a lot today, so I'm going to make it weird for all of you. Skin. I don't know about what your religion has taught you about skin, but the one that I grew up in taught me that it was sinful, that it was gross, that uh, it was disgusting, and that one day I would be free of it. Um it was very much kind of like, uh, I, I don't know a ton about Lutheranism, but I've heard some of the things Martin Luther has said. I think it's very much kind of grounded in kind of Luther's understanding of, of his own sin is we get caught up in these, oh, there's just this dirty, maggot-infested body of mine that's always prone to sin and always messing things up. I have a lot in common with Luther in that way because that's kind of the, the ideologies that I was brought up with within Christian faith is that one day we won't have to worry about skin and right now it's just this horrible thing that we have to carry and we're waiting to be free of it. I actually have a little bit more in common with Martin Luther than that because I was addicted to confessing my sin because I felt so gross about it. And so it was like everywhere that I went, like I would do something that was not immoral, just kind of weird or trivial. And I just like, well, I need to confess that, you know. And so like I go up to my mom. I'm like a kid. I don't do this anymore. Okay, but it's like, Mom, sometimes if there's a weird taste in my mouth, I just spit it into my shirt like that. And it's like, am I going to hell? You know, like, <laughs> what? Sometimes I pick my nose too. These are not moral problems, Jamin, you know. But like that's, that's how caught up in the skin of sin that I had my mentality is like I, I was always afraid that I was doing things wrong constantly. And uh, Martin Luther was similar in that way. Uh, apparently, the monks that worked alongside him um, complained about how much Luther would confess stuff and started telling him to do it less because he was to the point where they're like, look, if you have something of serious substance to bring up, bring it to us. But we're tired of all this trivial stuff that you keep coming up to us too. So me and Martin Luther have a lot in common right there. That the skin feels like this sinful fleshy thing that you just can't tame and you can't get right. Martin Luther kind of lived that mentality in a lot of ways throughout his life, that it was just kind of this shedding of, of the skin was, was really where we were headed. And that's biblical, but not in the way that we always think. Because the way in which Christianity has now been taught for hundreds of years is our skin is sinful, it's horrible, and the whole point of life is to be free of it, become a spirit, and ascend into the heavens. And that's what we call Christianity. The problem is, that was a religion in Christian times. This idea that you would just shed your skin and ascend somewhere and leave the body behind because the body's inferior and pointless and we don't want that and we want to be free of it completely. And that was a religion or a way of thinking known as Gnosticism, which the Christians were not. They were trying to, to show how different that they were from Gnosticistic thinking. But that's what church practices today. 
So that skin is sinful. We don't want it. And we just want to be free of it and ascend to the heavens. Christian Gnosticism. Which to them would have been somewhat heretical. The Christmas story, the Christmas story is one that calls us to think differently than this. Because it's the redemption of skin. We're always thinking like, I want to shed skin and go to heaven, whereas God himself tells a different story. I'm going to leave heaven and put on skin. And I'm going to show those humans down there what skin is supposed to be like. Because we know, yeah, we all know that the, the skin is sinful. We all know that it's prone to wander. Lord, I feel it. But that's not the story that was originally set in place in the Bible. Skin is not evil. In fact, when God creates skin, he says, now that, that that's good. And we often tell a story where it's like, yeah, God created good skin and then Satan made it evil. Satan does impact the skin because we are all born into sin because of Adam and Eve's sin. We are prone to wander. We are prone to feel all of these sinful desires. But that's not the way you were designed. And that's not the way that you have to live. And this is part of the desperation that I have when it comes to the, the, the conversation of skin in the body is because a lot of us live this faith where it's just like, look, you can't tame it. You can do your best to kind of bring it under some control, but you're going to be struggling with your body for, for your whole life and it's never really going to come together. It's just this horrible thing that you have to carry on. That's not what Jesus showed us, though. Because, yeah, though Jesus was God as spirit, he forced himself to put on science. He didn't even just like pop into existence like, yo, I'm scientifically here now. No, he actually subjected his spirit into the womb of a human to then be birthed as a fully scientific human, but still as the spirit of God. His identity was still heavenly, but everything about his world was earthly. And we usually think, well, no, Jesus did tons of supernatural stuff, so clearly he wasn't just human. No, the, the Bible is clear. Like Jesus started doing supernatural stuff after he received the Holy Spirit. And that's how it's always worked throughout the Old Testament as well. Prophets did supernatural stuff after they received the Holy Spirit. So Jesus is fully human. He's fully God in identity, but he's fully human flesh and skin, living out the goodness of what humans were designed to look like. And so he faces every trial and every temptation that we face, the Bible says. And you see some of those trials and temptations he faces. You think that your temptations are strong. You ever look at Jesus's? The reoccurring temptation throughout Jesus's life is gain the world without dying. You can bow to Satan. You can listen to Peter and not die. You can ask God in the Garden of Gethsemane if there's another way you can go about it. Uh, but Jesus constantly renews his mind to his heavenly father and says, I'm going to be good. I'm going to live out the goodness of humanity and skin. Father, how do I live? And God keeps calling him lower and lower to the place of a servant and to the place of the cross. And so when Jesus goes about living his life and showing us what skin looks like if it doesn't sin, like that's, that's a glimpse that we get in Jesus. 
So often we are asking God, God, how am I supposed to live in this moment right here? What am I supposed to do? The Bible doesn't tell me. Well, Jesus came and God came and put skin on as Jesus to show you. That he might remind you, okay, so I didn't explicitly tell you how to use a computer. No, but I did teach you this right here. Okay, so I didn't explicitly teach you how to treat this person over here. But do you ever realize the way that I treated this person in the Bible or this person here or this person? I mean, I could have written it down once for you, but instead I gave you four different gospels to keep giving you more details. <laughs> There's enough there to look at what does it mean to be made in God's image and actually live out the goodness of that without the sin. And that's what Jesus does. In fact, the Bible calls Jesus the image of God. That's what you are. You are the image of God. But Jesus is like the, like T-H-E-E, -E, the image of God. So if you're wondering what an image of God looks like in human flesh that doesn't mess it up, Jesus is the one. And this is where one Lutheran started to change his mind on the way that, that uh, Luther had talked about um, the body and how we can live and all that. Because for Luther, a lot of times it seemed like we're, we're never going to get it right. Just keep doing your best until you die. <laughs> and then we can ascend to the sky. But then a guy named Dietrich Bonhoeffer came around. And uh, he was uh, a theologian that had to figure out how to be a strong, passionate Christian in the world in Nazi Germany and show people how to live like Jesus in the midst of everyone threatening his life if he was really going to practice those ways. And Dietrich Bonhoeffer had one big thing that really revolutionized his life. It was the Sermon on the Mount. It's my favorite message in the Bible. And it's there that Jesus teaches what the image of God looks like. It's there that he teaches what skin untainted by sin lives like. Okay, so you don't want to commit adultery. Well, have you done it in your mind? Because that's where it starts, and that's what it is. Oh, Jesus, are you telling me I can live without those kind of thoughts? Yeah, I am. Okay, so you don't want to commit murder, but you already hate someone in your mind. Well, that's the same thing. Have you stopped hating them? Whoa, people do bad things to me all the time. I'm not supposed to hate them. No, I want you to forgive them. Your enemies, I want you to pray for them. Those who slap you, I want you to turn the other cheek. Those who force you to do things, to serve them without any recompense and because they just treat you like a slave, I want you to... To, to pick up the things that they forced you to carry and carry an extra mile for them. Jesus shows us ways of the kingdom of heaven breaking through into this world so that people are reminded of the goodness of what humanity is supposed to be like. So that they see what skin untainted by sin lives like. And that messes with people's heads. They, a lot of times they don't know what to do with it. And they start to understand that you must, you must be from a different place if you're going to live like that. Because that's not the way that skin ever treated them. All of the many sins that have been committed against you, you don't know the story on the other side. I would not be surprised if the sins committed against you were sins committed against that person well before they met you. That we take all of our difficulty and our trauma and it hardens us and then we afflict it on other people. We don't learn the lesson we allow our skin to continue to be tainted by sin until it does fall into something 
gross. But Jesus calls us to keep loving and letting go of all that pain and bitterness and actually practice his skin, the way that he lived. And that's what Bonhoeffer did differently for Lutheranism. He looked at the Sermon on the Mount, and while many Lutheran, Lutherans before him were always saying, this is just like Jesus saying extreme ideals as to how we should live so that we all understand how far we've fallen and we're never going to achieve that. <laughs> and Bonhoeffer came around and said, guys, what if living like this is the whole point? <laughs> what if it's not just like to sh make us feel bad because we'll never achieve the standard? What if we actually did turn the other cheek? Oh, we can't do that. Yes, you can. <laughs> That's a physical action. You can do that anytime. Unless you're Zoolander, he can't turn left. Only Janice. Janice, have you even seen that movie or are you just humoring me? No. <laughs> I can't turn left. Mark, Mark. It's Christmas. Don't leave me hanging, Mark. Um, but Jesus comes and shows us what skin without sin looks like. And then a lot of times we get caught up later on Paul. Because Paul's always talking about stripping off the skin and living by the Spirit. And that's where we start to get those Gnosticism vibes again, too. Like, let's just get rid of, rid of skin and just live in this metaphysical state. No, Paul, when he talks about living by the Spirit, it's a metamorphosis kind of idea. It's that your skin right now is the cocoon of a new body underneath. Because when you become Christian, you become a hybrid you are a new kind of skin, one that truly one day will be completely faultless because it's empowered by the Holy Spirit. And so Paul recognizes, yeah, you are skin made in the image of God, which is Adam. You are physical, human, scientific flesh. But when you receive the Holy Spirit, you also receive the skin of Jesus, who is a heavenly body because he's a heavenly man. And because Adam and God meet together in Jesus, when you receive Jesus, you receive his Holy Spirit. And his Holy Spirit, underneath this cocoon of skin, begins to build up the new resurrected body. One that looks like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. One that actually lives out the Sermon on the Mount. One that is actually trying to get to a point where it doesn't sin anymore. I had a guy from California, a friend of mine, their husband. I, I got a chance to meet him when they were in town here recently. And he uh, had followed kind of, he was, he was just on a journey to try to figure out which religion was right until he eventually landed on, on Christianity as, as it all started to kind of make sense to him. And one of the things that was huge for him one of the things that he didn't really like about evangelical Christianity, but really liked about Catholicism, was that Catholicism had saints. It had people who actually believed you could live better than the way your skin just makes you want to live. And that you could get to the point where you actually became someone who was living a righteous, holy life. And evangelicalism didn't do that. It was just always like, ah, screw it. Just make it as far as you can until you die. And he liked the saint idea because he believed that there had to be more to Christianity than just receiving the Holy Spirit and calling it good. And he's absolutely right. 
Because that's exactly what Paul is talking about. You receive the Holy Spirit, and he continues to grow you and weave you and make you better and better and gooder and gooder. <laughs> and more like the image of God who is the image of Jesus. That's the journey we're on. And I got to tell my friend, I understand because Catholicism really has that, uh, but just to toot my own horn a little bit, um, Methodism was big for that. Methodism, um, it's big doctrine that it added to the world, even though people didn't really love it all the time, was this idea called Christian perfection. Which was not to say that we will get to the point where we never ever sin again, but it, Wesley, pretty much, if I were to summarize, he, he got to the point where he believed that you could get to the point where you no longer sinned intentionally, at least. Where your sins were accidents. Because you had been so fully renewed by the Holy Spirit to live out the fruit of the Spirit and to live out the Sermon on the Mount, you spent years of your life doing that, that you got to the point where you had been renewed enough that you, you didn't sin anymore, not intentionally at least. And despite how much flack Wesley got for that in his time, I think he's right. I don't think the point of Christianity is just to receive the Holy Spirit and then die. I don't think the point of Christianity is to just go to church and have a club. I think the church is meant to shift the world with the redeemed skin of what humanity looks like so that people catch a glimpse of that baby born in a manger who then grew up to show us in every single way possible what redeemed good human flesh looks like. We will never get to the point of Jesus because every one of you in here has already sinned and he did not. But from this point forward, you have the Holy Spirit inside of you. You can make changes in your life. And that's one thing that you need to know about your skin because I was always taught you're just going to have these things that are just going to follow you the rest of your life. You're never going to figure it out and it's just going to torture you. And Yeah, you know, there are things that hang on for a long, long time. But those things can go away too. Some of those things, as I've realized over the last year, is compulsions brought about by the demonic, where people think that's their skin. It's actually something else really pushing people towards stuff. Do not live in the lie that you are just stuck in sin. The Holy Spirit is stronger than that. Do not live the lie that you can never overcome something. Rebuke that curse. Don't speak that over yourself. You are bigger and better than that. There is no human like the pre-resurrected, Holy Spirit-infused, heavenly, earthly body of the Christian. And one day, as Paul says, you will judge angels. You are not, even though you serve people on your knees, you are not lowly. On the grand scheme of things, it just so happens that living lowly is the Jesus way of living out the flesh that brings you higher. So as we come to Christmas this year, take a minute and um, just go before Jesus and recognize his skin. That his skin was good, just like yours is good. 
And that you can be more like Jesus than you thought. Even though you'll never be sinless or perfect, you could start heading those directions. Indeed, Jesus said, be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. That's the Sermon on the Mount. And I realize that's a bit of an overstatement because we've already ruined perfection. You know, perfection is like 100%. But from this day forward, how can you live in that direction? And recognize that when you mess up, God is a gracious God. God is faithful. And you are well in line with hundreds of Bible characters who also missed the boat. But God still redeemed still found faithful. So, double-edged. One side, live perfect and righteous. Other side, be gracious because you're going to mess up. Amen? A strange amen. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to pray. Take yourself before Jesus in this moment. And uh, if you don't know how to do that, just imagine him in your mind. Jesus, would you show us right now, as we're thinking of you, would you show us your redeemed skin? Jesus, we are trying to put on your Holy Spirit to live more fully like your redeemed skin. But right now, we are in the midst of struggling to get that cocoon off. And we thank you that one day you will do that yourself for us. So that looking in a mirror will be like looking at you. But right now, in this moment, would you reveal something to us about our own skin? Maybe you have something that you want to point out you love about it maybe there's something that we didn't realize we need to work on within our skin that you want to point out Jesus I know a word that you've seemed to consistently bring up when you point to my own skin is uh, my weight that you recognize that um, I can get so consumed with my attention there that I miss the other important things. That my skin can be summarized in my mind as obesity. And that you call me into love in the midst of that. So what is it that you want to call with us? If you turn my attention from that to be focused on you, and to be loved just as I am, what is it for the rest of us?
Now, if you've never done it before, why don't you just thank him right now for your skin? It's the same kind of skin he put on. It's good. It's pleasant. Your skin is pleasing to him. He designed it. Jesus, for all of its flaws and all of its wonders, we thank you for Erskine. We thank you for our humanness, and we thank you that you put us here. Would you continue to grow in us the resurrection? Would you help us strip off the old man that we might live by the new man? To bring off Adam completely in this life as much as possible so that we might live by the resurrection of Jesus. Teach us not to hate our bodies or hate ourselves or to stare at ourselves in the mirror and proclaim curses over ourselves, but to see ourselves as you would, to look in the mirror and be able to say, Jesus loves me. Now help me shed the pieces that don't belong here. Jesus, thank you for coming to earth as a baby to show us the beauty of skin. And thank you that you will come back to show us the beauty of redeemed skin. That plan A was not just something you planned on burning up one day and letting the world just go to hell in a handbasket, but um, you actually plan on redeeming the whole thing, including us. We thank you. Do it now. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, Merry Christmas to you. If you're sticking around, we've got potluck in like three-ish minutes, two-ish minutes. Um, CAV is going to be joining us, from what I understand. Uh, um, so they may be trickling in. Um, we'll probably give it like five, ten minutes to see when they're planning on showing up. I know Latino time is, it happens when it happens, <laughs> so... There will be some cultural adjustments in, in some ways here. But it's also Christmas, and you all were late, too. So uh, except for the Price family, number one right here. They showed up right at the beginning. Yeah, the gold medal goes to them. Okay, uh, enjoy some time. If you're taking off, Merry Christmas. Be safe on the roads, and we will see you next week, if not sooner, or in a minute while we eat.